Blog Talk Radio. It's a gridiron stud show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. are you doing? I'm doing some sweet bung chow moves. I'm a little better than everyone else here. Erickson, you must follow direction. You rack a discipline. Nuh-uh, I don't rack a discipline. Minasa, you all need more discipline. True discipline come from... Mr. Calamino, uh, I think we all need more discipline in our life. I certainly do. I'm distracted. I'm all over the place. But we're here, and we're going to bring this all this stuff in together. It's college football. It's high school football. It's NFL football. It's Football Friday. It's the second fastest growing gridiron stud show, and I'm happy to be a part of this thing with you, my friend. How are you feeling? I'm happy to be here. I'm happy it's Friday. I'm happy to be talking about football. I'm just a happy guy today. Well, good. We'll see if we can make uh, our listeners happy today, and we thank you all for listening to the show, and we appreciate all the new listeners that we have pouring into the Gridiron Stud Show. And uh, like I said, it's Football Friday. It's fun time. Emil and I, for the next hour, are going to get you ready for this weekend of football action. And then uh, past the 11 o'clock hour, I'm going to take the football and run with it through the high school football fields as uh, Joshua Wilson from FloridaHSFootball.com is here to join me. This is the final week of high school football for the regular season. So uh, this is going to be it for the majority of the high school football teams. And then there are others that are moving on into the playoffs. So we'll be discussing that. And there is a big one going down tonight. Flanagan High School and St. Thomas Aquinas, a game that I plan on attending personally. So we'll talk about that with Joshua Wilson. But before we get to all that, there is college and high school, I mean, there's uh, college and NFL football that you and I need to talk about. Emil, what's going on down there in Georgia? The noise is getting extremely loud about Mark Rick. I'm one, uh, and this is probably the old school side of me, that believes, hey, uh, it's a disappointing season for Georgia. Let's leave Mark Rick alone. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I know every fan thinks their team's supposed to win the national championship every year, and they act as if, you know, he's the problem. But he's won a lot of games at Georgia. I haven't researched his record. I know we talked about it a little bit on Monday, but let's put it this way. If I did, I'm sure it's going to be one hell of a record. I just have to type it in Google, you know, on a break or something, and I'll tell you what it is. But, I mean, come on. I mean, the guy – He's done his fair share of winning. I guess my my question is, okay, who are we replacing him with? That's what I always say, because it's one thing to get rid of the coach – but, but what's your plan to replace him? Because 
if you don't have a plan to replace him, there's no guarantee here that you're, you know, you, things are going to get that much better. Yeah, um, and you know, everyone wants to thinks there's the uh, hot assistant or um, there's the uh, the uh, small school coach that could come in here and deliver the championship for their team, and that's who they want. You know, we're going with, we're going through that right now at the University of Miami. Every day there's another name and why he should be the guy, and I'm sure that's going on out west with USC and all the uh, other schools in between as coaches continue to fall in the middle of the season. And um, I, you know, I think George I hit is you with his record. Here, you want to hear his sure. record Co- overall sure. co- uh, coaching record? One forty-one and fifty-one. That would make him winning at a, over a seventy-three percent clip. Yeah. So um, for, and that's just for those, good so, so those weak with math, that's your average season is nine and three in a twelve-game season. Uh, that's pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah, um, but apparently not good enough for the folks over there in uh, Georgia who uh, want to see someone new in there. But a whole lot going on uh, this week after, you know, our Monday show or our Tuesday show, a uh, big story going on the last couple of days about defensive coordinator um, and, and you know, Jeremy Pruitt and what he's got going on there and that he's, you know, running the team and ah, da 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 So there's a whole lot going on there. It just seems there will be changes uh, at Georgia. Uh, how high up the, they're going to go is – you know, I guess anyone's guess, but uh, it seems to me that there will be some sort of change there. Now, whether that means Mark Rick well, or that yeah. just means the uh, defensive coordinator is going to go, um, it seems obvious that something's going to happen there. Hey, there was a football game last night, Emil, and are you surprised that, again, it was a blowout? I mean, how long are we going to get fed this garbage? Have we had a close game on a Thursday night yet? Not that I know of, and I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't watch a play live. I saw the highlights on ESPN this morning getting dressed, and that was about the extent of how much I cared about that game. Sorry I didn't do my homework and, uh, you know, watch it for the folks. But I, I, I Oh, don't I worry. I, I didn't watch a whole, a whole bunch of it myself. Uh, I was more caught up in the, in the two college football games of interest to me last night, which was Baylor taking on Kansas State, uh, and, you know, another – Another uh, big-time team coming into Manhattan and finding it tough to get out, although they did prevail. It was not a typical Baylor game in which they're in the 50s. Um, it was a 31-24 win for them there as they you know, barely escaped on a Thursday night. That is a tough victory, though, going on the road on a Thursday night to Kansas State, who's one of the more physical teams. It, 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 it is, but there's some red flags in that game to me if I'm uh... – you know, the Baylor better clean up in a hurry as they move forward because they backloaded this Big 12 schedule. I mean, anybody paying attention knows that. So so these four teams, Baylor, uh, TCU, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State, are all going to play this last month, which I guess makes it kind of exciting. They all come in with good records, and, some, you know, we're going to find out who's for real and who's a pretender. But uh, they gave up 258 yards uh, running the football last night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you hardly would... expect them to be physical. Um, and that's going to show up in your run defense. So, no surprise there. Yeah, I know, but that that's going to bother me if I'm, uh, you know, granted it was two of the quarterback, but, you know, these other teams, I mean, you know, have quarterbacks like, you know, Boykin is obviously a great passer, but he can tuck it and run. Um, all these teams seem to have guys that could, could hurt you that way. So, if I'm Baylor, I'm, I'm worried about that. I really am. I mean, that that's going to concern me as, as they move forward because they've got three games against these, three teams that, you know, is going to define, you know, what Baylor football is 
uh, for this year. Do you year think Baylor they're, worries they're, about that, though, or does Baylor just pretty much know what they are, and that is we are a uh, passing camp. Uh, yes, teams will get yards on us. Yes, they'll be able to run the ball, but we're just going to outscore you. You think that's just the mentality there, or are they going to um, go balls to the wall to try and fix their run defense this well, week Well, that's practice? the mentality that they're going to put out to the public because Art Bryles seems like a pretty confident and brash coach and you know we're going 12 and 0 and that's his, his take and I would expect you know nothing less but he seems to be a little bit more outspoken than many coaches but I'm telling you right now when you stare three consecutive weeks of Oklahoma at Oklahoma State at TCU before I mean they should hammer Texas 10 the year so those three games in these next three weeks I mean I, I'd be concerned <laughs> I mean that's call me call me crazy but yeah, yeah well, listen, um, should be concerned, and whether or not they're concerned are, you know, I think two different things over there. In the Big 12, just wondering who's going to, you know, how far over 100 points are each one of these games going to go uh, this week I mean, in the Big a, 12. Listen, and, this is not a good Kansas State team this year. They're playing with their backup quarterback. Uh, yes, they've, they've played some teams tough, but bottom line, they're 3-5, and 0-5 oh in the Big 12, okay? So that's, you know. Is it a team that'll play it tough in Manhattan? Absolutely, but it's not—it's not a great team. And you go there, you're a 17-point favorite. Granted, your backup quarterback's playing. You score 31 points, which which tells me obviously the offense is is feeling the loss of a guy, you know, starting quarterback, which is normal. But you know, on defense, you got a team that really had trouble passing the ball. I mean, Oklahoma beat them 55 nothing, and and so you have a kid that's a running quarterback apparently, and he runs for 153 yards. That would bother me. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, but the running quarterback can really batter your your uh, your rush defense numbers. I, I, I you know I will I will say that that is that can definitely happen to you. So. Um, a little, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him a little bit of a break on that there. But again, you know, Baylor's Baylor, and it's the whole attitude is just, you know, we're gonna do this defense thing until we can get uh, the offense back on the field. I think that's just the whole yeah. mentality um, there. Um, I do need to mention this. I wrote an article yesterday, Emil, and it was pretty much about um, the title of the article was "You Thought You Loved Football, and Then They Gave You a Scholarship," and it was basically telling. Uh, trying to get across to high school football players that high school football is fun, um, and and so is college football. Let me not do that, but it is it it becomes a job when you get to college because there's money involved. Now you're not going to get much of it, but uh, there is money involved, and that means the uh, the coach is probably making a couple million dollars if you're you know big time, um, and his assistants are making at least you know some of them a quarter of a million dollars, half a million dollars. The defensive coordinator is making an up in, in excess of half a million dollars. And so with that amount of money on the line, uh, things get rather intense. And then on top of that, you have a schedule now that uh, it starts from 6 a.m. in the morning. It goes all the way to 9 p.m. And you got a lot of high school kids out there that think they want to play college football. Um, and when they get there, they're finding out, whoa, this is not like high school football. And this is a job now, and this is all day. And it's not, um, you know, uh, wait till the, the bell rings at 3.30 or 4 o'clock. No, football's a part of your life pretty much all day. And uh, Well, and they are being paid for that job, that. as you and I have talked about, though. Yes, they are. Um, but the truth of the matter is, for many people, uh, even though you're being paid, when something becomes a job, it takes on a whole new meaning for you. 
And, uh, I, you know, I just don't think high school football players really understand that aspect of it. Yes, you are getting a scholarship. You're getting a free education. And that is something that should be cherished, though I don't think that they uh, do it enough. But do understand that in return for that, you are you're going to be uh, your time's going to be eaten up. There's no question about that. And uh, for all these guys that think they want to play college football, they better understand exactly what that means. And I, I think so many of them don't. And uh, the article I apparently touched a chord. Um, Twenty-one thousand reads yesterday, and it's on its way to another twenty thousand plus today. And so. Um, if you're out there listening and you hadn't had a chance to read the article, I would suggest that you do. Um, and again, you can find it on my blog right now at gridironstuds.com forward slash blog. And um, it's a tough road mentally. And there are guys that uh, can make it through and there are others that cannot. What else do we need to talk about on the docket right here? Do we even need to discuss the uh, lines um, uh, effectively taking some Metamucil and clearing out their bowels? Yesterday, they yeah, just it, fired everyone except they like needed a, a head a coach. They kept thing? them on. But huh? doesn't that seem like a cyclical thing for the Detroit? You're talking about the Detroit Lions, right? That's who you're talking the, about? There's the only Lions. Um, that well, I, know I don't of. know. I mean, for all I know, you could have been slipping and talking. Maybe Penn State had that amusement. I don't know. But Detroit does this, it almost seems like cyclically. Like, you know, every six or seven years, they just fire everybody. Yeah, again. well, they did it. They did it yesterday. I, I'm, I'm, I guess the only reason that they decided to keep uh, the head coach was that they needed someone on the sidelines to run the show. Um, you know, this, this, this Sunday. But what's going well, on in Detroit? Call, I mean, I don't know. Call, I, I, I'll say this. You know, having seen some of their games and watching Jim Caldwell as a head coach, I loved him as an offensive coordinator. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, that's an indictment, <laughs> I think. A compliment <laughs> turns into an indictment. Just some dubious things, I mean, strategically that you watch him do, and, you, you, you know, and they, they, they kind of raise an eyebrow. If you're not a Lions fan watching every play of every game, it's kind of passing stuff. And since the Lions suck, it's not stuff I comment on often because nobody cares at this point. But it's just weird. That, like, you know, I'll give you an example. That playoff game last year against Dallas, they had the lead. 20 to 17, they were on the 40-yard line, fourth and one. Mm-hmm. He punts the ball. Now, mm-hmm. I'm on the road in a playoff game, fourth and one, for me, at that point. I've got to make a statement. I'm only up three points. I've got to get that first down, go down and either work the clock down to nothing or get points and end the game. I'm mm-hmm. not giving the ball back, not, not willingly, because whether I punt the ball down to their 20, whether they start on the 15-yard line or the 40, there's a hell of a good chance that in the closing minutes, they have the better quarterback than me. So so they're going to win the yeah. game. That's usually how it ends up. I mean, you know. Is that, so, the, listen, just, is that, is that the problem there, though? Uh, okay, is Matthew Stafford the problem? You know, I don't, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, Emil, I think Detroit would do themselves um, a great service if they would go find themselves a monster running back, put the workload on him, and – off that running game, let Matthew Stafford get the ball to to 
Calvin Johnson and, and 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 you know whoever else they have in the passing game and stop making the passing game the, the focal point because right now they can't even get the ball to Calvin Johnson. If you can get a running back there, perhaps some of the double coverage could come on and you could find a big guy you know one on one with someone and get some big plays. But right now this Matthew Stafford throw it around thing it hasn't worked for the Detroit. Yeah, but here's Lions. my here's my take on Stafford and you know I, I'm not, I'm obviously not a quarterback coach. I mean you you have the connections and maybe you get one on the show and you can ask him this question someday my take on him is he's so far along now at this point you're not going to change his mechanics and mechanically he's just piss poor now that works for a few couple guys they can get away with that like philip rivers and bernie kozar were two of the ugliest quarterbacks mechanically i've ever seen but somehow played well but generally speaking you take a guy like a romo who does goofy things he'll do goofy things and spin out of the pocket but at the end of the day he has nice form throwing the football okay he throws the football and he can make all the throws. Stafford wants to do weird things. One time he throws the ball high. One time he wants to drop his arm like he's a sidearm pitcher. Uh, and it just gets him into trouble. I mean, he makes a lot of mistakes, throws a lot of picks. And, I, and I'm not sure you can really fix that even with a running game because he's going to go under pressure. He's going to go back to what, what he knows, and what he knows is no consistency. So if he sees a so, way to throw a ball sidearm, he'll throw it sidearm. They, they fired uh, a bunch of people in the front office um you'd have to think somewhere along the lines the head coach is next but really what you're telling me the person that needs to be fired is matthew stafford is that what you're saying well no i'm saying that right now they've got a couple things going on the poor front office has led to situations like i'm talking about um you know what else well, okay you draft the quarterback what was stafford number one overall first thing you want to do number one to overall he was way up there he was way up there. I mean, you're, you're, you're investing that that pick in, in a court, franchise quarterback, and that year he was pretty much, uh, you know, consensus the, the best quarterback, if I'm remembering my, my history correct. Wouldn't you get a guy in there to coach him up immediately and fix some of that stuff? Because they had to see it on tape. It's not like all of a sudden mm-hmm. he got to the Lions and said, oh, I'm going to start throwing sidearm passes and, and weird, goofy passes. He did it at Georgia and got away with it. So you got to get mm-hmm. someone in there to coach that out of him and say, hey, but the Lions don't do that. You know, the Lions get – they've they've been a disaster going back how many years? Matt Millen was there. That was a disaster. I mean, they, for some reason, they just don't put together a solid front office. I, I don't know what it is. I just don't understand why they can't get it done. The poor Lions. Ah, what are we to do with well, those guys? Well, maybe maybe the, the real answer is you answered it for yourself. You fire the owner, but you can't do that. Remember, you and I spent a long time on this show, mainly because of my affinity for the Cowboys, hammering on Jerry Jones, and only when Jerry Jones ceded control, which which is what most people feel has happened to his son, Stephen, mm-hmm. did mm-hmm. the front office start to change there. Now, he'll never admit that, and, and, and the son won't, out of pride. They'll say, oh, no, Jerry's involved in everything. But you can just tell some of the stuff that's gone on there the last couple of years that, that they don't seem like Jerry Jones moves. Mm-hmm. You know, we never really ask this question. Uh, We always ask best, you know, coach of all time, best quarterback of all time, running back of all time, all that stuff. In your mind, Emil, um, and you've been watching football for five decades like myself, if you had to say best owner of all time, who would you pick? Uh, I would would go back and say uh, the Rooney family. If I I mean, if I'm going to be honest, I have to say, you know, because it's, it's kind of simple. And first of all, if you go toward uh, 
your, your marquee organizations. You can eliminate the Cowboys because they've had multiple owners. Okay, mm-hmm. they've had a lot of success, but under multiple owners. You can mm-hmm. eliminate the Packers because they're owned by the, the city of Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so really they don't have a person necessarily that's mm-hmm. as, as strong as if we think of a typical owner. So for me, I'd say, okay, who, it makes my, my decision easy. I've either got the Roonies, I've got Kraft, mm-hmm. or I've got uh, the, the Mara family. So, okay, how mm-hmm. do I eliminate the first, the, the first two and come up with the Roonies? I say, well, the Mara family, while they've been re- done a, a really good job for a long time, they've had a, they had a, a really dry period for a while. I mean, in the 60s and 70s and up until Parcells got there, for, for the mm-hmm. most part, the Giants sucked. And if you go back and look at those mm-hmm. old standings, the, the, mm-hmm. they weren't very good. And then you look right. at the Patriots. Kraft wasn't around as long. I mean, he's been there 20 years, and sure, he's had a ton of success, six Super Bowl appearances in his time, I believe, uh, four wins. But but you also say he's had, you know, and I don't want to say fortune because you make your own fortune, but he's had he's had Tom Brady and Bill Belichick meet, so he's almost had the uh, well, the perfect storm. So I guess I'll hold right. out out uh, you know my judgment on him until I see the next phase of the Patriots and what happens when those two he'd move be on. Your number, the, he'd be your number two now, wouldn't, wouldn't he? He'd be my number two, but I look at the Roonies and I say, okay, basically since 1970 when they got Chuck Noll there, so we're talking 45 years, mm-hmm. they've been in the mix for the large chunk of that time. You know, they, they're, They've been a competitive organization even in the years they didn't win it or when they had droughts like, you know, I mean, obviously, they didn't win a Super Bowl between 1979 and 2005, but it's not like they were horrible. They were winning divisions. They were playing in in playoff games, you know, playing you know important games, and they've won six Super Bowls and eight tries. I mean, for me, I look over you know the last five decades and I say I challenge anyone to tell me a more stable, better ownership group. They've only had what three coaches in right. that time. So, yeah, I that, think that, I'd that. Uh, I think I'd agree with you there, Emil. I mean, that's that's probably it. And you want to know the biggest thing. That, and when you take when you take Kraft and you take Rooney, uh, they were not so present. They were not always up in the middle of things. They were almost a little, you know, inconspicuous. Now Kraft has had to get involved because of you know some of the scandals that you know the Patriots have been in, you know, Deflate Gate and Spygate and all that. But outside of that. He's not a guy that's in the middle of uh, budging his way in and barging his way in into personnel decisions, which, uh, you know, obviously something that wouldn't fly with Bill Belichick. But he just has not been that. And that was the same with the Roonies. They let the head coach run the football team. They let the general managers be general managers. And I don't understand why, uh, you know, some of these other organizations can't allow that to be the case. Well, sports in many ways parallels business. In a lot of ways. I mean, first of all, it is a business. But, uh, you know, something was explained to me years ago. And I, and I believe this from my experience in business. The best CEOs that I've been around and seen are kind of like these guys running those teams we talked about. Because if you think about what they are, they're, they're the CEO of the Steelers, the CEO of the, the Patriots. In most cases, in a company, you have departments, and you have very talented, skilled people. Usually, if you if you if you hire well, running these areas, okay. But mm-hmm. there's a gray in between each area. Finance doesn't always communicate well with sales. There might be a miscommunication. To me, that's the CEO's job: make sure mm-hmm. that they're communicating, not to go in and tell them how to be the best finance department or the best sales department. 
make sure that you hired really good people and that you get them to communicate. And I think that's what these guys do. They stay in the background. They're not going to tell Bill Belichick what he needs to run his offense or his defense. That, but, yeah, but it's if almost issue, like it's it's if, if I could just draw like a, a mental picture. It's almost like you have all these departments and they're on the phone with each other. And when you see one hang up the phone, it's your job to go in there and get them back on the line. That's basically it. Uh, almost it. like in the well old said, school. Right. You know, we used to have operators. Uh, actually, you know, the, if you could go back and look at some old. Uh, pictures of the 50s and 60s, there'd be an operator in there unplugging and putting in cords uh, to connect people. And uh, basically that's, I think, what a good CEO, good owner does is just, you know, put the put the cords back into the holes and make sure people are talking and that the line is clear and there's communication going on. I think that's a, uh, a great characterization by you as to, you know, how these things work best and, you know, something that... Well, I mean, I, I, I just think it's... Not not me coming up with anything or anybody else. You just sit back and watch in life, and you look at well, what's worked and what hasn't worked. And you know, the, sure, there's always the example of the Steve Jobs who was very hands-on, and you know, but but that's a different situation. That was an industry that was not established, and you know, he was the inventor. I mean, he was the guy, mm-hmm. you know, that 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 came up with it. You know, he was the Henry Ford of of, of that industry, so, so to speak. But in most established businesses where you have, you know, industries that have been around for a long time and football's one of them, you can take a look mm-hmm. at what's worked and what hasn't worked. And and rarely does the you know, real hands on owner. I mean people will point to Al Davis. He was a coach at one point and yes he was hands on, but you know what, as he got older that formula didn't work. It just didn't work. No, uh, it doesn't seem to work at all in this day and age. Not long term. When you hire them. Yeah, when you hire them and uh, you're paying them a lot of money to do a job and, and really their neck is on the line, they really just want you to let them do the job. All right, that's our little uh, you know business, uh, <laughs> business sports minute there. Uh, we need to take off, take a break. When we get back, we're going to talk college football because there are some very, very big-time matchups, interesting matchups coming up this week. And uh, we need to talk about them and also give you our picks that have been pretty damn good here uh, this season. So we need to do that more when we get back, and we'll do so right after this break. Season, out of season, FitSpeed.com gives you the edge. Over 150 professional athletes and 5,000 youth and high school athletes as clients. Over 2,500 square feet of indoor turf. That includes two indoor 50-yard lanes, plus a fully equipped weight room with the latest and most technically advanced equipment available. 
That's over 8,000 square feet of total workout space. Plus, they have the best training staff anywhere in the country. It's owned by current NFL wide receiver Brandon Marshall. It's why athletes like Chad Ochocinco work out there. And it's why you should work out there too. If you want to be the best, get on your grind and visit fitspeed.com today. on the Football Friday edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. Uh, it's going to be a little bit more complicated than uh, Tecmo Bowl. When we hit the college football gridiron this weekend, and uh, this is one of those weekends, uh, Amo, where you have the big-time showdowns that are going to have all types of ramifications. They just came out with the uh, with the college football uh football playoff rankings this week and right off the bat we're going to have uh, some earth-shattering moves here as some big time games go down why don't we uh, jump into these things and you take the lead and i'll uh, i'll follow here during this segment oh okay well there we go i'm not even going to talk about the Al- i know you're going you want to talk alabama lsu but i you know you know me i can't we'll get to that now pick. you're picking yeah, that i gotta make of course how about that how about that you're a pretty brave guy there I well, go ahead. Brave guy, we'll, we'll, well, let's hit some of these other ones before we well, get let's to, hit down, you we know, get let's to the start down the board. You know, it, 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 this one sounds kind of funny, um, but Iowa's undefeated and travels to Indiana. Uh, the, the, they have them as a seven-point favorite in this game. And Indiana, you know, they're not horrible. They're 4-4. Four and four. Uh, They can score some points. They score more points per game than Iowa. Uh, what, do, what do you think here? I uh, I have a, a I have a strong opinion on this one, so strong that we must hold it till the end because it's one of my picks this week. So uh, I'll tell you my I, I put the ball back game. in your court. Well, I'll tell you my opinion on this game, and, and I actually looked at this, and I'm, I'm now I'm really curious as to where you're going because I am would be real inclined to take a look at Indiana in this game. Uh, Why? Well, just I, because I just, you want to be that guy, you just want to stir up stuff. No, they had a couple weeks to get ready for the game, and the Michigan State score was a little bit deceiving. They got blown out in the fourth quarter of that game at Michigan State. If you watch that game, they they were kind of hanging around and wanted to be in that game for a while, and then they remembered they were Indiana, and they got beaten you know, pretty bad in the fourth quarter and ended up losing 52-26. Uh, they're on a four-game losing streak, but you know, you take a look. They, they played Ohio State at home, lost by seven. They had to follow that up with a game at Penn State, um, you know, which was just that's a tough spot. It's one of those games you you kind of see Penn State winning right now, and they did. And then they came home and lost a heartbreaker where they blew a big lead against Rutgers. Um, mm. I don't know. I just have a feeling that this is an Iowa team that would be quite happy leaving this place, you know, with a 27-24 win. And I just have a feeling uh, Indiana's going to play them tough. But I'll listen, and uh, you can guide me in the right direction there later in the show. <laughs> Uh yeah, I mean a lot of pressure on me this week since I've won six now, in a row. Trying to trying to see if I can keep that Let me hit you up with going. one here. You're not going to want to talk about it as much, but but I, we need to address it. I mean Florida's pretty high up there in those rankings. They only have one loss, which is a really tight mm-hmm. ball game 
um, at LSU that you happen to, mm-hmm. you and God happen to watch from your seats. Um, <laughs> they're 21 point favorites uh, against a, a team like Vanderbilt, who could, I guess, could pose some problems for Florida. And that Vanderbilt plays some defense on occasion. They didn't play much last week. They lost 34 nothing at Houston. Is this just one of those games where Florida, you think, wears them down and maybe even covers this? You know, Amal, this is uh, one of you can go one of two ways with this game. Uh, Jim McElwain has done a, a really good job of getting the team focused on what's in front of them, uh, have them have them eating the main course and not thinking about dessert. He's done an excellent job of that each and every week. So if you were if we're staying on that, then you say to yourself, he's going to have this team so geeked up and ready to get themselves to Atlanta for the first time since 2009, that they're going to come out and handle their business against Vanderbilt in a, a very um, in a very exciting way, in a very strong way, and they're going to come and blow Vanderbilt right off the field. You can take the other side, too, where it's that uh, McElwain being an Alabama guy, let's call him that, very satisfied with just getting victories. He's shown that this year. It really is just about the win, and we're not into style points. We are a member of the SEC, and if you just keep winning games in this conference, you'll get where you want to go. And uh, he could very well go out there and, 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 you know, Florida has played several games very close to the vest this year. And they can go out and just do what it is that they need to do to win the game, which is play good defense, uh, move the ball the way they need to on offense, get points where they can get points, and, you know, punt the football and play defense when – um, they aren't able to do that. So it's very difficult for me, even if I wasn't, you know, um, if, if I didn't Emotionally have invested. If, yeah, if I wasn't emotionally invested in a game and wasn't going to the game like I am going, uh, it'd be difficult for me to pick the game. So, you know, from that standpoint, I'm not sure what, what okay, the Okay, let me tell you why, why I have a hard time supporting Vanderbilt in this game. I'm going to throw mm-hmm. out their game against Austin P because that sounds like a, a cartoon. Here's, a, here's how many points they've scored against teams that I consider real teams. 14 against Georgia, 16 against Mississippi, 17 against Middle Tennessee State, 10 against uh, South Carolina, 10 against Missouri, 0 against Houston. They're back-to-back on the road at Houston, at Florida. This is a game where I think they could get shot out again. Now, chances are they won't, but they could. Um, you can't I just, really see I don't, them scoring more than 10 points in this football game, basically. Basically, um, unless something goofy happens in the in the in the special teams, I I have a hard time envisioning them cracking ten. And it's, if that's the case, that's in college football, a good team like Florida can accidentally score thirty five. Uh, just just with other facets, they don't have to be dynamic offensively. So for me, while I wouldn't lay three touchdowns with Florida, there's nothing in front of Florida that should divert their attention. Um, they have South Carolina next week and Florida Atlantic, mm-hmm. uh, so and the Florida State game's far enough out at the end of the month that uh, if they're focused, they'll cover this. So I won't touch it. Yeah, you know, um, I what I did like and I saw in in Florida's game last week was um, the emergence of the running game. Um, I think if 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 that continues to grow and we see that happen in this game right here, I think it's going to open up more big plays in the passing game. And, yeah, you know, Florida won't have a problem getting into the 30s and maybe even 40 uh, on Vanderbilt. But, you know, if it's a little bit – if it's a little more choppy, like the game was last week, it was a little bit – aside from the running game picking up, it was a little ugly offensively. If they come out with that kind of game, then it would be tough. And so, you know, like you said, it's going to be – it's it's uh, it's not something I think you would do um, – 
You wouldn't. No, pick, not, you wouldn't, not, you wouldn't not if you're on a Saturday where there's 40 games or whatever there's on the board. Now I will tell you this: the next game has me interested because, believe it or not, it has some implications for major bowl games. Uh, mm-hmm. It's hard when we say these two teams in the same sentence if it's not a basketball game. But you've got mm-hmm. Houston undefeated, laying nine points at home uh, to Cincinnati, and uh, this one between you and me came came again. I, I, there's a lot of games I like this week. And this came very close to me making a pick on Cincinnati. Uh, mm-hmm. Cincinnati is a pretty decent club. If you take a look, uh, three losses. They lost by eight at Temple. We know Temple's no joke right now watching them yesterday. Mm-hmm. They lost mm-hmm. by seven against Memphis in a game that was like a basketball game, 53-46. And then they went to BYU, another really good club, and lost by 14. Um, mm-hmm. They can put points up. Uh, Houston has Memphis. On, on, on tap next week. So I'm a little worried here that it's going to be hard for Houston to hold their focus against the capable opponent. So I'd be real inclined here to grab the nine points or eight points. Whatever I would do the same, at. Emil. Um, if you go through Cincinnati's schedule, uh, if there's such a thing as quality losses. That's exactly what they've had. Um, they went to BYU, you know, strong team at that time, and they're still a good team. Took that loss there, lost to a very good Memphis team that's currently undefeated and trying to make a push to be in the college football playoff. And then uh, Temple, who hung extremely tough with Notre Dame. So all of their losses have been um, quality losses, and they've played quality opponents. Their schedule has been stronger than what Houston has gone through, and Houston has just kind of cruised through some pretty you know, bad opponents. They did open up with Louisville, and they got the win there, which you know, really got people's eyes open, but this is not you know, the Louisville team that everyone expected. Outside of that, not a whole lot of strong competition, and they're going to face that here today. And then coming off of a shutout win, teams really tend to fall asleep off of that kind of win. And then also you've got everyone talking about Houston's head coach. And, you know, I pointed this out, I think it was in yesterday's show, that if you take a look at Charlie Strong, whose name is coming up for some job openings, and you see what happened to him last week, uh, 24 to nothing at Iowa State, no way that should have happened. And then you look at Rich Rodriguez, whose name is being thrown around for some open jobs. They go and they've had some two back-to-back awful weeks. And now Herman's name is coming up in all these job openings, it's going to start to affect their play. So off of this shutout win and facing a strong opponent and a head coach being distracted with some of these offers coming his way, I think it's time that you're going to see a little crack in Houston. I wouldn't be surprised if Cincinnati won this game straight up and uh, kind of put to bed a little bit of the, you know, throw a little sand on what Houston, the fire. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you on the straight-up aspect. Here's one for you, so speaking of shutout wins, and it's an interesting ball game. We have a Big Ten matchup where you got 7-2 and two Penn State. I, the record's a little bit built up on some non-quality wins when you look at it, but nonetheless, 7-2, and two, playing a 6-2 and two Northwestern club. Northwestern favored by 2.5, and, and I can tell you right out of the gate, I w- this is not a game I see Penn State winning, actually. Mm. I see this being a very defensive struggle with Northwestern winning it by, you know, it won't be an easy win for you. It might be a six-point win, but I just see Northwestern winning this game. I don't know uh, if you've if you've noticed, but, uh, you know, over the last four weeks and during this winning streak that I've had, I've hung out either in the Big Ten or the Pac-12, and I've stayed in between those two conferences. I decided I'm going to try and pick two conferences that – uh, makes sense to me, um, and and just try to know as much as I can about those two conferences. So this was a game I really ran through the ringer, and I 
found it difficult to pick a side on this game, but I am uh, I'm I'm with you. Penn State off of the uh shutout win last week. They looked all powerful, tough to get young young minds back together after a win like that and now you're on the road facing a Northwestern team historically doesn't have the big name, but they are a, as strong a team as they've had in uh, any of the years past. I think Penn State probably uh can't get their minds together here and uh Northwestern looking to get themselves back on track and reclaim some of the fire that they had early in the season could really seize the opportunity here. So I like them at home as a very, very small favorite in this game. Yeah, and so I, I worry about Penn it, State's offense. Wildcats. I worry about their offense versus good defenses. I mean, yeah, they put 39 up on Illinois last week. We know what Illinois is on the road, but this is a pretty mm-hmm. salty Northwestern defense, and I worry we start to see a lot of those four-yard patterns that Penn State tends to run when they get in there against good defenses. So we'll see. It, 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 I think it'll be a tight game regardless. Now, here's one that interests me because you made a pick last week, mm-hmm. and, I will, and I really, really – the number makes me want to pick the, the underdog here, but I, I just struggle to do it. Stanford gives a 16 points at Colorado in a 1 o'clock Eastern time start in Colorado, meaning it's 11 a.m., I guess, uh, their time, I'm guessing. I'm trying, I'm trying to remember. I think they're two hours behind. Um, I, you know, I want to take Colorado, but I just have a feeling, just a gut feeling, that they put so much energy emotionally into a very tough loss at UCLA they might come out here against the Stanford club that obviously struggled last week on the road and just get mm-hmm. run down. I mean, just absolutely mowed down. Yeah, I I, I um, have serious struggles with this one, too. Uh, Colorado has been a, a surprise um, this, this season, no doubt about it. Um, they've covered their last two games. But I'm kind of I'm with you for the first time, uh, you know, since, since the Northwestern game. Uh, Stanford lost versus the spread. They, they've been on a mission, and I think they continue to be on a mission. And um, they realized that they, you know, fell off a little bit in terms of their their mental strength and stability last week. And I wouldn't be surprised if they jump back on and and get and uh, and 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 get back to their blowout ways here. You know, because Colorado. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I mean has I'm had, not going to have back to back road anybody. games. They're going to be tired mentally here. Yeah, I'm not going to tell anybody, though, to, to lay 16 on the road. I, that's hard to do in the conference against a decent Colorado team. But I will say you won't find me running uh, to, to take Colorado on this spot. Let's let's hit a couple more, and I'll ask you if you have a pick on the game because uh, then we'll, you know, we'll, get, we'll move along. Uh, do you have a pick on the TCU-Oklahoma State game? That's a big one. I don't venture into the Big 12. It's just such an unpredictable thing when teams can't stop each other. And I'm questioning if I didn't see the game myself whether or not teams in the Big 12 are using the allotted 11 players on defense. I'm just not. I'm going to try and stay the hell out of the Big well, 12. Well, you know, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. I won't spend a lot of time because I'm kind of like you. I watch the Big 12 from afar because I'm not a fan of that style of football, so you won't find me tuning into complete Big 12 games. I watch snippets. I will say this. Uh, at first inkling, I see this, and, and it makes me want to jump Oklahoma State at four and a half mm-hmm. and ho- at home. But as mm-hmm. I go through the numbers on this game and I look, TCU's seem to be getting in a groove a little bit more defensively since they replaced all those players that were injured. I mean, they're playing a lot of youth on defense. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, and I and I kind of trust Boykin more here. I look at TCU's last two outings; they gave up 21 to Iowa State and 10 to West Virginia. Tells me they're a little bit more interested in defense than Oklahoma State, who gave up 53 points last week and won. 
I would probably take TCU in this spot. I, I just think they got their reprieve with that lucky win uh, in that game against Texas Tech, and sometimes that will, uh, you know, drive you toward a huge season. You know, you get that win when you need it, you get that break, and then sometimes you just go on a roll. And uh, I, I think Oklahoma State's living on borrowed time. They have a lot of two- and three-point wins, 36-34 type deals, uh, games, you know, 30-27 where Texas muffed the special teams twice for them. Um, I just have a feeling this this is going to be a TCU Yeah, win. forced so. to pick Amal, I'd go with TCU in this game. I'm not even going to elaborate on it. I would just run, I'd run with TCU. Oklahoma State scored 70 points last week. Uh, just like getting a shutout win, hard, hard, to, hard to get your head on straight in your preparation the next week when everyone – on the team, including uh, recruits scored in your last game. So uh, I'm I'm, I'm going to just roll with TCU. <laughs> the Cowboy, the Cowboy had a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you know, I mean, they, they, put in, they, they, they put in the big recruits that were standing on the sideline last week and got them early touchdowns in their career. And so uh, this is yeah, going to be hard to focus. So I'll, Let me I'll ask you, you have a pick on this one. Here's a big one. And this I almost made a pick, by the way, uh, the Clemson-Florida State game. Uh, no, but I do have an opinion on it, and it, my opinion on it is this. Florida State might not be the Florida State that you had last year or the year before. Uh, they are battling through some uh, some injury issues, but you are going to take a Florida State team that is still extremely talented, that has as much talent as anyone or more than anyone in the country, and you're going to make them double-digit underdogs when they go into Clemson, a Clemson team that's kind of – uh, they've had great teams before, but are kind of new to where they are now, where people are talking about them, you know, being the odds-on favorite to being a national champion. Clemson's number one in the country. And you're going to do that to them? You're going to make them double-digit favorites over a Florida State team? I think Florida State comes into this game with their hair on fire. Ultimately, though, I think Clemson's going to have one or two more playmakers in Florida State right now and, and end up winning this game. But I'm not going to uh, – you know, lay double digits with Clemson against Florida State. Not doing it. You hit you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I look at Florida State. They're giving up less points per game than Clemson. They haven't given up more than the Miami has the high all year against them, 24 points. Now they're not as dynamic offensively. But you don't need to be when you're getting 10, 11 points in the game. Um, and I'll tell you what, if for some reason Clemson, you know what's the bed, I could see Florida State winning this game. I still, you know, dabble. You can call the show anytime you like, but I still don't trust you, buddy. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? He can get all pissed off about it, um, you know, if he wants to. But, again, our, he, he, he still hasn't cleaned up his credit report. So this will go a long way in getting his FICA score back into the, you know, the upper 700s if he can win and cover this number. Man, if he wins and covers this number against Florida State, man, we could we could, we could could put him in the 800s on that FICA score. But, sure. um, yeah, there, sure. there's a part of me that's that's uh, a little afraid in, in, in laying double digits. Okay, I, now, I where do you want to go with this? Are we going to – you want to lay out our picks? You want to go to the NFL? What do you want to do here? No, we're gonna we're gonna man, we're gonna we're gonna hold these viewers around here. Uh, we've built up that kind of reputation around here. So um, that's the preview of the games we don't have picks on. We're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back talk the NFL, and then at the end of uh, this hour, the bottom of this hour, the very bottom of this hour, we're gonna give you all of our picks, both for college and NFL football. So stay tuned for that. Emil and I are gonna be right back to talk some NFL football right after this. Thank you. 
Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! You think that was the sounds of uh, the Oklahoma State-Texas Tech game last week? I kind of feel like that's what was going on over there. Just touchdown pretty close. after touchdown. <laughs> yeah, pretty <laughs> that's close. That's how that went. <laughs> hey, Emily, you know what? I, I love T-shirts. I know you do, too. I like uh, T-shirts when they're wet sometimes, too. I uh, just thought <laughs> I would throw that out there. Um, and I know there's a lot of gentlemen out there listening that like wet t-shirts too but we're not talking about wet t-shirts we're talking about screen printed t-shirts and for those of you out there trying to get a bunch of them made they can be costly uh, when you're doing them for small groups it can be limited in color unless you want to pay an even higher price more colors mean uh, more cost the answer is to do it yourself at home with an inkjet printer and a hand iron whether it's for your seven on seven team you're gonna have coming up at the beginning of next year your child's birthday party or the family reunion you can do it yourself and they'll look great. That's right. With heat transfer paper sold at tshirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos. You can do the wording however you want. You can print it on your inkjet paper, and uh, it's sold by tshirtsupplies.com. And you can iron it with your own hand iron. You do have an iron, don't you? If you have a hand iron, you can get this done. The designs of the pictures you put onto the t-shirts are only limited by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up, and design it, the paper sold at tshirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you've never done it before, as many of you, I figure, have not. The folks at T-Shirt Supplies have first-rate customer service. They'll help you get the right paper for your project. They'll steer you in the right direction and uh, make it all nice for you. Visit them now at tshirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirt, no hyphen, supplies, plural, all one word, dot com. Or you can call them at 1-877-857-2737. That's 1-857-85-PAPER, tshirtsupplies.com. Go there now. Now, I don't know if they can – you, can you tell us, you know those folks at tshirtsupplies.com, do they hold up uh, wet t-shirts? 
Can we do the wet well, T-shirt contest? No. With- actually, actually, it'd be the opposite. You know, like you want to take your family photo and make like a cool shirt for like a family reunion. You could put like photography on the shirts with this stuff. So like it's going to have the opposite effect of a wet T-shirt. Because even if you wet it, then you're not going to see much. And frankly, if I wet your T-shirt, I really don't want to see much. <laughs> um, that the feeling there is mutual, my friend. All right, it's uh, NFL football time. We need to talk some. Uh, NFL football again. There was a game last night, uh, another snoozer, and um, I wonder what the NFL is going to do. You know, they have all these meetings in the off season about trivial stuff in the NFL, and they come up with silly rules and silly things that they do. I wonder what they are going to do about the because uh, they're going to have to talk. Yeah, about but I think game. you're missing something. I don't think they care. You know, I keep telling you, I watch, I pay attention to stuff, especially when I'm out. I'm curious where people have TVs turned to. You know, almost all restaurants now, if it's a chain, especially. Um, mm-hmm. They have TVs all over the place, not just sports bars. I mean, yeah, everybody does. They're all tuned to these shows, it seems. You know, no sound, so I can't hear what they're saying, but I can see what they're scrolling on the bottom. That they're doing these fantasy football shows on NF, you know, on ESPN and Fox Sports Network and all that. I don't think they really care because they see you're looking at it as a football fan. Like, man, I don't want to watch the Bengals beat the Browns 31-10 like I kind of knew they were going to do. But people who play this fantasy, you know, they don't care. They just want to see who's scoring points. Emil, is there a danger in the future of uh, NFL football if the the larger portion, as we continue to go forward, the larger portion of the the viewers, let me not say the fan base, the viewers don't care about the outcomes of the games? Is that dangerous? Well, there's a danger for you because then you'll be only having me host the, the college portion of the show with you because per- people like me will eventually stop watching um, the product. And really, you think I'm kidding you. Things happen gradually. You know, it's like it's it's like you you know some days you you wake up and you're like, what the hell just happened to me? But people like me and you uh, are probably not going to be watching as closely if that's what happens. Let's just put it that way. We may watch because. Let's face it, on a Sunday afternoon, no, I'm not going to watch golf or NASCAR. So if I'm home, I might put it on, but I might be doing something else. I'm not going to be as gung-ho if they continue on this track, I can tell you that. Yeah, I think there's there's a certain amount of danger there, uh, and the NFL really better watch out. They better start getting some 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 very uh, forward-thinking minds to start uh, considering what is going to be the future of the game if it continues down this course where you just have week after week 20- and 30-point blowouts on a Thursday night and no one cares simply because uh, they just want to be able to pick the guy that's going to do the best there. I mean, um, Well, this is anecdotal. Let's do it this way. I think in this this sense I might be able to give you a better pulse because you, you mm-hmm. tend to run in circles with, with people in the football community. I mean, you coach mm-hmm. football, your kids are being recruited or have been recruited mm-hmm. – so you're kind mm-hmm. of not in the general fan population. Mm-hmm. Me, at my core, I'm a fan. Okay, and I, mm-hmm. so I, I, I talk to guys all the time that I see out. And here's here's the general consensus I get when I bring this topic up: college football, they love it. They, if their wife lets them and the honeydew list isn't big, they would sit there on a Saturday from noon till midnight, flipping games and watching them. They're into mm-hmm. it. They have a team. They follow them. They love their team. Okay, pro football. The ones that do have a team, they have a team. They kind of only care about what that team does, almost like I tell you I really only give a damn about the Cowboys game some weeks. Okay, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the only reason they like paying attention to the NFL is because they bet on it. <laughs> That's basically it. True, but at least in that case you care about the outcome 
Um, maybe no. I'm just splitting hairs. But they don't but care from an emotional point of view. You. They don't care if the Steelers win this week because they love the Steelers or they, you know, they, uh, they, they, they're a Bengals fan and they want the Steelers to to lose so the Bengals. Well, can hey, hell, let me stop ahead. you on that because a lot of folks out there, and I would dare say the majority of people out there, bet on their teams. They bet on their favorite teams. That's why Vegas, the lights shine so bright. But we don't even right. have that no, with I fantasy agree. football. It's it's there's not even an allegiance to a particular team. So if a Steeler fan each week's betting on the Steelers or not, you know he takes a week off because he really doesn't think his team's going to win, then that's one thing. But when you've got a, a guy out there that's you know really um, typically on a Sunday would be drinking wine and, and eating cheese, is jumping in as a, a quote unquote fan because all he cares about is whether Andy Dalton can throw three touchdowns and he can beat his other coworker in, in a fantasy football game. I don't I don't know if that's the right direction that we're gonna we're heading in. Well, it's it's probably not, but I mean, it's where it's headed. Listen, we're in a brave new world. I don't know the demographics on fantasy football. I could take a shot at them, and I'm going to say it's really heavily weighted to people under 35, maybe even under under 30. And, and I can just tell you, when when I get in conversations out and about with with younger guys, uh, many times their eyes glaze over because you know I'm talking about, a, and believe me, I'm I'm nowhere near you. But I'm talking about a level of football depth that they, they they've never even approached. <laughs> I mean, I'll watch right. a game and I'll say, "Oh, that's not that's not going to work." Look at that coverage they're running there. This guy's going to kill him. And they're looking at me like, "Who cares? Is, is are we going to score any points here?" Yeah, um, you know, no 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 doubt about it. So, um, hey, what? We'll just have to we'll just have to see what the future holds for this. But let's talk about uh, this weekend. Let's not go that far into the future. What, okay, what, well, what do we, we, got could, you know, we go down the line here, and let's touch, you know, I'd like to do both. Let's talk about some of these games, and if we have any fantasy thoughts, you know, since that's what people seem to care about. Um, I have a pick on the Steelers-Raiders game, but I, I can tell you, this is a game where, for, from a fantasy perspective, I would probably take a good hard look at Roethlisberger. He had a week last week to knock the rust off. Um, the Steelers have some playmakers, even though Bell's out. Um, I, I think Williams did a good job subbing for him earlier in the year, and, and I and I think that you could get a guy like Roethlisberger having some good success through the air against the Raiders here, especially on that uh, East Coast trip for them. Um, yeah, and and from that standpoint, I would I would say the same. Um, he's got to battle back from that. Now he does lose a very big weapon in Le'Veon Bell, um, who looks like he might be done for the season here. But if you if you're thinking Roethlisberger, you gotta you gotta pair him up with somebody, and that has to be Antonio Brown, who should take an even bigger role um, in the offense now with with the dump downs to uh, to Le'Veon Bell not being a possibility. Another person you might want to look for too is Heath Miller, um, because tight ends are very important in the daily fantasy game. So, you know, Heath Miller is someone who's going to probably pick up some of the uh, receptions that Le'Veon Bell has, and you know that normally gets. Um, in in the offense, so you know Heath Miller is probably another person you might want to take a look at this week. Uh, where are we rolling to next? Next game is I don't have a pick on it, but it's an interesting game. Is the Vikings Rams? The Vikings are uh, listed as a two point favorite. They come in five and two. The Rams are four and three. You know what's funny? This is a game I take the Rams. The Rams just seem to do well in games where they're not supposed to win, and 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 karmatically speaking, in in the the, the broader sense, these what's feel that like word? Two, like you know like. Car. I need to Google I, I made something up here. A word, maybe, but don't these teams both feel like they should be five and three? I mean, I can't really see the Vikings six and two, and the, the Rams seem better this year than four and four. 
So I think I just rolled for no other reason. That's why I rolled the Rams here. Uh, I'll probably slip on the other side, although these two are two of the more unpredictable teams that you have out there. So, um, you know, my lean towards the the Vikings would be ever so slow. I just can't see Nick Foles winning on the road against a, a, a winning team like this. I can when I, he hands it to that beast girly. And I he, can when he, I see. true, but uh, I just – I don't trust the quarterback, man. I just, I just yeah, don't. I agree. And you know, I'm a lover There's of one running for fantasy, backs. Chad. I don't even want to talk about who's going to cover or win because I, I mean, unless you care, I don't care. The Saints are playing the mm-hmm. Titans. Uh, they're eight-point favorites, but you know, from a fantasy perspective, I, I told you last week. I gave, I told everybody, keep an eye on this Willie Sned. Okay, keep an eye on him. Mm-hmm. He had a couple you touchdowns did. against the Giants. Now, granted, the the head of the cheerleaders for the Saints also caught <laughs> one later in the game, but that said. <laughs> he did have a couple. Oh man! And, yeah. and I, keep an eye um, I think Dalton here. Hilliard scored in that game as well. Yes. I mean, everyone yes. scored, but no, definitely a good pick by you. Um, not someone who's on everyone's radar every week. So, way to find a little gem there, and that's how you win in this fantasy football. You find someone off the beaten path, and that's a good job by you. Nice, nice gem you picked well, up. Well, I, I he's not so off the beaten path, but I I take a look at him again because the Titans got nothing going on defensively, offensively, or anything else other than you know Mario go to place for them um, but yeah I keep an eye on, on him there uh, you know it's a smaller board when they start using Thursday and you know you have Monday night games and buys uh, you know a, a couple of these games I have picks on I'm trying to you know take a look at some oh here's one I don't have a pick on I'm kind of interested from your perspective uh, Denver's on the road coming off that impressive performance on Sunday night football and they're mm-hmm. giving five and a half to the Colts who played on Monday night and almost staged uh, a very improbable comeback victory of losing in overtime what do you see there i uh see something very very clear and uh that means it's a pick of mine and so you we're going to get that in our pick segment from me as i do have a pick on the indianapolis denver game okay and the last one we'll touch before we go to the picks which i know people wait for uh you know we got my uh, cowboys at home i don't have a pick on it uh as a two and a half Okay, they're a two-and-a-half-point underdog. You know what I'd pick in this game? (laughs) I would pick under 44. Last week when Uh, I saw the over-under on the Seahawks-Cowboys game installed at 41, mm. I tried to envision a scenario. They could have left those two teams on in the stadium overnight with the lights on playing against themselves in (laughs) seven-on-sevens. I'm not sure they could have scored 41 points. And that's kind of how I feel in this game. Yeah, you weren't feeling the offense on both of those teams, and I guess you're not feeling it on this one. I have a pick on this game. Look at the look on Sam Bradford's face every time he gets hit. What do you think is going to happen the first time he throws a ball and a half second later Greg Hardy hits him? He's going to go back to the bench and say, Chip, can we hand it to DeMarco? Sam Bradford's expression changes. You've noticed that? I haven't. It's always a look of uh, complete fear and eyebrows um, on the way to, uh, you know, taking a run to his hairline. Um, but, yeah, I do have a pick on this one. Hey, give give me your thoughts on this. Uh, New England's at home laying two touchdowns like it's a college football game against the Washington Redskins. I almost made this a pick, and I would be going with the New England Patriots. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, listen, after watching what they've been doing to teams like this this year, there's no way uh, in God's green earth I'm taking the Redskins in this in this scenario. If I take the game, I'm laying all 14. But there's almost like a for me, 14 points is was where I won't venture in NFL games. They're all professionals, so you're not catching me laying two touchdowns in an NFL game. But if I had to, are you I'd kidding me, Amo? I've got to break in. Sorry to cut you off here. Um, 
I don't is this is this real? ESPN has learned LSU's Leonard Fournette has been ruled ineligible for Saturday's game versus Alabama per NCAA rules. That's earth-shattering news right here. Uh, I mean, you want to talk about something big going on. This is big. I I need to double-check on that. But, um, of course, I got this off of Twitter, so I don't know how how strong that is. But, you know, as as we move forward here in the rest of this. I'm on uh, ESPN's page. I don't see anything. I'm not seeing it either. So, um, and, and the person I'm seeing this from on Twitter is not one to play that game. So, um, man. That's that would be serious news. So, see, we could run run that down. Um, and it looks like it might be a parody account. So we're going to continue okay. to follow on that. There is there is some kind of an issue there with with uh, Leonard Fournette though. Uh, there was talk let's yesterday go, that let's, his let's parents. Let's do our gave picks him. before you kick me out of here. How about we do that? Mm. All right, let's uh, uh, let's do that. It sounds like someone's someone's anxious to uh, to to get these picks in. No, you must. No, you must it's not that I'm pretty... anxious. I know that you're going to kick me out of here because you have your, you know, you start talking about that high school football down there. It's so big. Hey, you look, Joshua Wilson um, is is not going to come on until 11:15. But nevertheless, we do need to get to the picks. So it is that time, Abel. We'll do college first, and now it's time for the picks. You know where we go. Let's 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 go. Oh, I just had to go there with it. All right, my friend, you're up first. You're going to give your college and NFL picks, and then I'll follow that up with mine. Um, you do need to do some housekeeping, though. I know you like to do that. Let you me set the table. We're records. accountable here. We're accountable. First of all, in college, you're on a six-game winning streak. Congratulations. The record's outstanding. You're 19-8 and eight in college. Unbelievable. I'm, I've am i struggled the last couple of weeks, but overall I'm 16-11, which is pretty good Nothing to sneeze at. Pro- That's pretty damn solid. No, no. Pros, nothing nothing for me. And, you know, you're at the Mendoza line. You're at 10 wins, 11 losses, a couple pushes in the pros. You're hanging in there. Me, I've been dreadful so far. Eight wins, 14 losses, a couple pushes. So we'll try to fix the pros this week. With that, okay, and assuming that, uh, you, you, you know, your your other thing was parity, I will go to my picks. Uh, yeah, first, I well, want to start you off with a game. Uh, nobody was talked about more last week than Duke, how they got mm-hmm. jobbed in that Miami game and they should get the win and all that good stuff. But here's the thing that's lost and all that. Duke's a pretty good football team. I mean, mm-hmm. they showed some heart in that game. They came back. They had the lead. They're 6-2. and two. They're playing a 7-1 and one North Carolina team. Here's the thing. I'm still not a believer in North Carolina. You know, I, I slide down North Carolina's schedule, and I say, they lost to South Carolina. And then who'd they really beat? I mean, I guess you could say Pitt, but does anybody believe in Pitt? The rest of the schedule is littered with North Carolina, AT&T, Illinois, Delaware, a bad Georgia Tech team, Wake Forest, Virginia. In other words, I just don't see them worthy of being a seven-and-a-half-point favorite against a very capable and quality Duke team. I'm going to take mm-hmm. Duke plus seven-and-a-half. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. No reaction? Do you want to say something? Uh, 
uh, listen, I'm with you. North Carolina hasn't beat anybody. The fact that they are in position to even win that, you know, the coastal division of the uh, of the ACC is kind of an indictment uh, um, on the conference and on that division. Um, but again, I'm with you. They haven't beat anyone, and Duke should be properly angry coming into this football game. And I imagine their week of uh, preparation was intense. But I'm I'm with you now, on that. Here's a game I'm going on on a couple things: line suspicion, and and some other factors. I, I'm going to take Washington giving a point and a half to Utah. Number one, Utah is ranked in the top twelve or whatever in the country, playing a four and four Washington team. Yet they get a point and a half on the road. Very similar to their situation when they went to USC. Now, mm-hmm. I'm a little concerned with Washington's offense because Utah plays pretty decent defense, um, and. In the sense that they beat USC that game, you know, the drunken coach and everything, Washington won a 17-12 type of game. The fact that they held USC, drunk coach or not, to 12 points kind of impressed me with their defense. And I look and I say Utah just, they play the type of offense that Washington should be able to slow down very easily. They have an inconsistent quarterback. He tends to, to, the last couple weeks he's been throwing more picks. They're just not a dynamic offense. And I think Washington is a, the best defense in the Pac-12. To me, this just feels like a game Washington grinds it out and wins it like 20-13, 23-13. But I, I'm very suspicious of that line. And, and in, in that case, I'm, I'm going to play with the, the suspicion and take Washington. Is there a little bit of familiarity there with uh, with Peterson uh, having come from Boise State and you know had clashes with Utah quite a bit in the past? Do you, you think that might well, be a factor at all? Well, it certainly helps too, no doubt about it. But like I said, my eyebrow goes up, and, and I'm sure yours does too, when you see stuff like that. You were smart enough to take USC that Utah game, and you said the same thing. You said, "Wait a second, this really doesn't make any sense." Right. Uh, so, yeah. Exactly. And my last one, I'm picking the big one, okay? We got Alabama laying seven to LSU, and, you know, you, you take a look and you say, God, undefeated LSU, wow. And they're, I'm going to take seven points with them, right? No way. I'm laying the seven points here. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's a couple things that I, I just don't like. Number one, I'm not sure there's a better front seven in the SEC than Alabama, and if there is, it resides in Gainesville, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, they're the mm-hmm. two best. And for me, I, I, I just don't think this kid on the road from LSU is going to play the type of game he did against Florida at home. Okay, mm-hmm. he's going to have a hard time throwing the football. And if that if that's the case, and Nick Nick Saban only has to defend one thing, he's going to be pretty good at scheming you up, scheming you up that uh, I don't see LSU running it down their throat. I think Alabama has enough offense between the stops they get, the changes in field position, to kind of just. Grind out a you know a twenty four ten twenty four thirteen win, but I, I just I think that seven looks too easy to just grab the undefeated team. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be a contrarian. I'm gonna lay it with the what I think is the better coach and 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 the stout front seven. Yeah, I'd probably go LSU on this one uh, simply because their games have just been a war. I don't like Alabama's offense. It's not as crisp as you'd like. Um, LSU's quarterback, as he showed in the Florida game, uh, has a little bit more ability than people thought. And uh, I just think there's enough balance there for LSU to 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 you know keep this thing nip and tuck all the way through. That's just my opinion. Not not a strong one though, by the way. All right, let's flip to the NFL and what what do you have going there? Okay. I start off at the very top of the board. Uh, you know, the Raiders have been a surprise this year. They head to November with a 4-3 and three record, and if you've been following the Raiders lately, that's that's impressive for them. Um, 
Steelers mm. come in off a tough divisional loss to the Bengals. They fall to four and four. Um, their season is staring them in the eyes right here. You know, if you're the Steelers, this is a game you, you have to win. Um, Roethlisberger, he kicked off the rust last week. Uh, I expect, as I said in the earlier segment, a much better performance. And the other thing I don't like is these teams from the West, when they have to play these 1 o'clock games, you can say what you want, but your clock is just off. It's 10 a.m. in your mind. It's just hard. It's a, it's a tough trip for Oakland. They, they, they've been having some success. I think this is one where they just run into a buzzsaw. I have a feeling the Steelers really, really will prepare well for this game. And, and I think they're going to get a, a fairly easy, easy victory. I kind of see, you know, Pittsburgh winning this one, you know, a 31-17 type of game. I just uh, I, I don't and, like the vibe here for Oakland. And what are they being asked to cover in this contest? Four and a half. Four and a half. Yeah, uh, you know, Oakland's uh, a much improved football team, but this is a tough one for them to swallow. Be on the road, uh, on the east, uh, on the eastern side of things, taking on a team that's, you know, that that just lost to a divisional yeah. opponent. Tough, tough spot for them. All right, what do you got next? Here's another one where you know, if it's too easy, then so be it. But I, I'm just going to go with what my gut tells me. I'm going to lay two and a half points with the Green Bay Packers going to uh, Carolina. We saw what happened to Aaron Rodgers last week in Denver. Mm-hmm. It wasn't pretty. Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback, and he's a guy with a lot of pride. Um, I have a feeling the Packers will put some extra prep into this game this week, not wanting to lose two in a row to contenders for the Super Bowl Mm -hmm. and uh, diminish their own status. That said, you have the Panthers, who were at home last week. Um, They they played about 160 plays in that game on Monday Night Football against the Colts. That has to take something Mm -hmm. out of you, a game like that. It goes into overtime. You get the win. You're undefeated. This just isn't a desperate game for the Panthers. Now, do I think at game time they're going to want to win? Of course, they're professional athletes. But I'm not sure the prep during the week is going to be what they need to do to win a game against the, a wounded Packers team. So I'm going to lay the two and a half with the Packers. All righty. Packers getting back on track. And what's your final NFL pick? Finally, you know, here's one that just sticks out like a sore thumb to me, as in, like, what are these? What is Vegas thinking? There's no way the the New York Giants should be laying points on the road at this stage of the game. We've seen <laughs> what the Giants are, okay? Mm-hmm. We've seen mm-hmm. what they are. But my God, they need it. They need a couple return touchdowns and three Matt Castle picks to win a seven-point mm-hmm. game against the Cowboys a couple weeks ago. And then they went to mm-hmm. New Orleans last week and, and allowed 52 points, losing, scoring 49 themselves. They're going to Tampa. Tampa's a young team. They're starting to believe in what Lovey Smith is selling. Winston is becoming a better and better player, and as the year goes along, I expect that to continue. I, I've said coming out of college he was the best prospect in the class. You did too. I still believe mm-hmm. that to be the case if he can keep his head on straight, and I'll gladly take two and a half points with the Buccaneers as they shoot to get to 500 in this game. So Tampa Bay plus two and a half. All right, so Pittsburgh as a four-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the Raiders. You like the Packers to bounce back against the Carolina Panthers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to uh, pull the little mini upset over the New York Giants. All right, well, here's where I'm going this weekend. Starting off in college football, we dis- you discussed uh, at you know a little bit more than I did, obviously, the Iowa versus Indiana game. And, Emil, I'm going to have to agree with you on this one. Iowa is in un- uncharted waters um, the, the, you know, there's an undefeated football team, but they really haven't played anyone, Emil. And Indiana is a tough nut to crack, even though, you know, it's not going to really show up on their record. 
Um, they are a tough football team and one that I don't know that Iowa is uh, ready for. I mean, I think Iowa's going to be a little distracted by the undefeated record and the talk that they're starting to get. See, early on in the season, they were quietly going about getting these victories. Now people are talking about them, and it's going to start to be a, a pressurized situation. And they're on the road against the Indiana team that's going to have fire in their eyes. This will be Indiana's bowl game. Even you know, even if they do make it to a bowl game, this will be the part of their season that they really, really talk about. You played for and, Indiana. It'd be your bowl game, too, because you'll be pay- playing um, Eastern Michigan in the Ford Bowl. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly, in the Little Caesars Bowl. Um, So Indiana is going to put uh, a massive effort forth here, and with Iowa coming in as a seven-point favorite, I just think that's a little bit too much cheese on that pizza. I like Indiana in this game, and it wouldn't surprise me to see them and Iowa's undefeated season. Staying in the Big Ten, it's Michigan State, and it's Nebraska, my favorite team. I was a Nebraska supporter earlier this year. I think I picked them a couple times. They screwed me on that. So I jumped to the other side last week, picked up a win uh, going with Purdue, and I'm going to stay on that train. I think Nebraska is is down in the dumps. This is not somewhere that they're used to being. They're used to winning those nine games every year uh, with their guy Bo Pelini, who's been ushered off, and Mike Riley's been brought in. So this is this this season starting to lose some meaning for Nebraska. It hasn't lost meaning for Michigan State, who has quietly gone about their business in this conference, and all everyone's wanted to talk about was Ohio State and uh, Michigan. And no one's talking about Michigan State. Michigan's going to continue. Michigan State's going to continue to do what it is they need to do to get people to stand up and notice. So on the road in this game against Nebraska, I think Michigan State flexes some muscle and does a little bit of, uh, hey, look at me. And uh, as a a five-and-a-half-point favorite in this contest, I like them because, you know, I think they're probably two touchdowns better than Nebraska in this game who's, you know, ready to get knocked out for this 2015 season. I agree there. Uh, Heading over to the Pac-12, Arizona State and Washington State. No one was really expecting much out of pass-happy Washington State this season. But you know what? They've gone around and been annoying, if if I could use that word. Washington State's just been a pain in the ass for um, some teams in the Pac-12. And I think that continues this week. Arizona State, as you know, we've talked about in the past, is one of those hey, we'll blitz and see what happens type teams. And you know what? Against Washington State, this can be extremely deadly given what they do on offense. So um, Arizona State down in the dumps. They've uh, been punched in the face two weeks in a row. They put a lot of energy into their triple overtime game at home against Oregon last week and came up short. I think that's going to be a swift kick in the nuts for them. I don't think they're ready to recover. And now you're now you're heading out on the road to Pullman to take on a Washington State team. It's feeling pretty good about themselves because although they lost last week, they really brought the fight to Stanford and ended up losing a very close one. I think they're encouraged by that. And before that, they'd piled together three straight wins. And you know what? Five straight point spread covers for Washington State, and that speaks to them being that pain in the ass. With them only being asked to cover less than a field goal in this game, I like Washington State as I think they'll be more prepared and motivated in this contest. against. So we got Indiana plus seven. We've got Michigan State minus five and a half. And we've got Mike Leach and the Washington State Cougars minus two and a half. Okay, I like those picks. They all all look great on Friday, but I do like those. Oh, yeah, they always look like award winners. I've got this streak going, so um, the pressure is on me. I'm starting to feel the weight of it. Can I win nine straight? We'll have to see on that. Now, flipping over to the NFL, there are a number of games I liked. I had to find my way to pare it down. 
Uh, and I'm going with this. The first one is uh, one that I agree with on you. The New York Giants just gave up 90 points last week and 7,000 yards uh, to the New Orleans Saints in a loss. They hardly are fit to go on the road and be some kind of a dinosaur, um, by that meaning tenacious. I just don't think you're a road favorite the next week. Um, if you went and played defense the way that the New York Giants did last week, whether it was a win or a loss, which it ended up being a loss for them. Tampa Bay is a team trying to make a name for themselves, trying to do some strong things. They're getting good, solid play out of Jameis Winston, not really turning the ball over. They're playing some pretty good defense. And, yeah, I think they do want to get to 500, and they're seeing a New York Giants team that's vulnerable. So uh, I'm going to ro- roll with the Bucks here uh, as an underdog to a Giants team that just forgot what defense is all about. I'm going to make a strong pick here the Denver Broncos in on a you know a in front of a national television audience just totally dismantled the Green Bay Packers and what happens usually after that odds makers want to go and throw a little extra cheese on their line um and and the public wants to start jumping all over a squad and this is probably a bad time for them to be doing that because uh, the Denver Broncos just had this marquee matchup. I don't see them being ultra-prepared for this contest. And, they, and then after this one, they do have a divisional opponent in Kansas City. So if there's a time where the Broncos might not be at full strength mentally, it would be in this contest against a Colts team that has lost three straight, and they're firing offensive coordinators, and they're wondering if they want to bring back the head coach. And I, I think the Colts do love their head coach, and I think seeing him in battle, I think they're going to come out with uh, a lot of fire and fight in this game. And I think they can kind of take the noise out of Indy by by getting a win over the Denver Broncos. So it wouldn't surprise me to see a straight-up win. Uh, And when I'm thinking that, getting five points um, is a good thing. So I'll roll with the Indianapolis Colts. Five and a half, Uh, by the way. Five and a half, so even better. All right, and then we're going to go with the uh, big Sunday night game. Probably shouldn't be on Sunday night, but it is. And it's a division battle between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to take the Dallas Cowboys here. They just can't keep losing anymore, right? They just can't keep losing. What is that? Well, the way they're losses. losing. I mean, they're, they're in these games right till the very end, and then bang, they do something stupid and it's usually involving the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think the Philadelphia Eagles, in the two wins that they had prior to last week, feasted on some poor defenses. Uh, it's oddly enough they played the two teams that went nuts last week and didn't play any defense. They they won against the Giants, and before that they won against the New Orleans Saints. So uh, you know, last week they played a team that plays defense, and you you saw what you saw what it, what it was. They really couldn't function. And the Cowboys, despite the fact that they're having trouble on offense, are still playing pretty damn good defense, considering they're not getting much help offensively. I think the Eagles are going to struggle in this contest. Uh, because, again, they're facing a defense that could stop them. And with the Cowboys being at home and desperately needing a win, and there's you know another week now for Des Bryant being back in the lineup, I think he's going to be uh, a little bit more key. Um, I think the Cowboys are going to be a little bit more unpredictable on offense after this loss to the Seattle Seahawks, so I think there will be a couple of tweaks there. So I like the Cowboys as two-and-a-half. No, they're getting three now. So you got you got uh, Tampa plus two and a half. You got the Colts plus five and a half, and the Cowboys are getting a uh, full field goal in that game. I'll yeah, tell you what, um, you don't. If, if you're right on this, I will say this. I think if the Cowboys, they have two games coming up here. They have the Eagles, then they ha- then they're at Tampa and Miami. I think if they win two of those three and get to four and five, 
I honestly mm-hmm. believe when they get Romo back, they'll win five of their last seven games and win that division at nine and seven. If they win two of them. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for the Cowboys is their record's probably going to look ugly at the end of the year. Probably something like nine and seven, which you know the way things are rolling right now, it'd probably be enough for them to uh, win that division. I think the most important thing is for them to be ending the season on a roll and carry that into the into the playoffs. And I think that's what they're shooting for. But they can't they can't lose six straight here. And then I I just think uh, you're going to get a hundred percent of the Dallas Cowboys in this division game against the Philadelphia Eagles so I'm rolling with it like that and so that's what we got man we've we uh we've laid out all the picks for you you got your college football picks you got your NFL picks and we're good to go man so now I do have to kick you out of here because it's time to talk some high school football have a good weekend I'll see you Monday all right uh Amos out of here I'm back though I'm going to take a break when I get back it's Joshua Wilson from Florida hsfootball.com to talk high school football and a couple of big matchups in South Florida this weekend. We'll be back right after this. She's got it on the track, bro. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills, and in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit gridironstuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. 
take control of your future. GridEyeStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now, set your profile up, and let yourself be seen. So, you know, that's that's the that's the big thing right there. And I think, you know, it's going to be, 
what's going to happen next is, you know, it's just, you know, who, who, you know, who's going to come out there with the more willpower to, you know, to, to play considering usually, you know, when you play your week 11 games, you're going to the playoffs. Usually you, you, you'll, you want to keep your starters kind of on the sideline for, for the week. And, you know, that's, mm. You know, but I don't see I don't see in a matchup like this, Josh, where either side would even do something like that. Um, no, I not think, in this you one. Know, not you, in this one. Yeah, yeah. You knew early on the game was going to be week eleven. You knew you were both going to be going to the playoffs, and I think you figured out way before this that uh, you're going to you're going to you know make every effort to win this football game. So I don't anticipate that we'll see anything like that tonight. Mm-hmm. I you know I always refer to Joe Pinkos. Pinkos says Flanagan by thirteen. Is he overstating that, or you think he's about right? He may be right, but I mean, but you know, I think I think you look at it though. Is I think Flanagan, I mean, Flanagan's schedule's been a little, I'd say, a little tougher, you know. I mean, but then you know, I mean, it's it hurt it hurts Aquinas that you know you've had to play Blanche Ely, you've had to play, you know, a couple of these other teams that are you know basically one win teams. It, it kind of hurts them right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, yeah. I mean that's that's what hurts Aquinas in the strength of schedule department, you know, especially Ely in your own district is a one-one team going to the playoffs. That I, I, I still have another beef about that, but you know, it, it's a system for you. It's not the fault of the teams. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I had uh, I had Larry Bluestein on with me on Wednesday, and we were talking about you know one of the one of those issues that you are really big on, and that is how these uh, uh, you know how the 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 districts are lined up and how we end up with some teams like a like an Ely that's one and eight and that's heading into the playoffs and he suggested maybe we go back to the regional uh to the regional setup that we had or um uh, you know obviously there needs to be some kind of a change or, there no, or so some people would I, some people and I I've said yeah, this is one of those things I said you know when we go back to the pre nineteen ninety three when there was a district champions only thing you you you, you won your district or you you're not going to the playoffs, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, and, but a lot of people, a lot of people want their runner ups still, but, you know, I think, I think the better way the FHA could approach this and I'm going to say, and I, I've said it before, you know, it's uh, let's maybe, maybe take all the district runner up spots and make them wall card spots. And then we start based signing the records, but, you know, start signing based on records. If you don't win your district. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you this. A Trinity Catholic well, well team let me up stop you there, Josh. Well, Could some of those folks who find themselves out of the playoffs because of their record um, complain about, hey, we had to play more difficult teams. So, of course, we're going to well, have uh, well, more losses. Well, well, yeah, but see, here's the thing. Here's the thing, though, is for some of these teams that are sitting there right on the, on the thing, they're saying that, you know, these records, either there's teams that are maybe, there's going to be teams probably with eight and two records. Sitting at home, eight and two, seven and three. When there's teams, there's teams in the, in the same in the same in their same region are going to the playoffs because they're one and nine, two and eight, or something like that. Mm-hmm. In, in a wild card mm-hmm. situation, those those teams those teams with that record, but the seven and three and the eight and twos, they get over in before that one and nine team. So you know that's you know I, I think I think a wild card situation would be much better. You know, okay, we have district champion. Yeah, if you win the district, yeah, I mean, I feel like I said there's a Trinity Catholic this year went three and seven. They're three and seven. Their district, mm. their district record is three and up. They won the district three and seven records, which you know. Yeah. We, so we, I we, mean, we, under any scenario that that you put together, there there would be going to the playoffs with a three and seven. Right. Record. Right. But if that was a three and seven record going the other way around, no, they wouldn't be going to the playoffs. But you know, that's where I said, okay, if the district, if they win their district, yeah, that's that's fine. But if they don't win their district, yeah, then different story. 
Right. Um, listen, we obviously Flanagan St. Thomas is a game everyone's talking about, but mm-hmm. what are some other big games that folks out there should be paying attention to tonight? Oh man, I, I, pay attention to the mud ball. Hello, the mud ball. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, how'd, that, how'd that take a back seat to something? Uh, it took a back seat for when Pahokee with Dallas and Glade Central had been done the last few years. But you know, you look at the you look at the two teams this year, and it's like they both won their district. They're both going to the playoffs. I mean, what more could you want? Which is actually, you know, it, it's kind of a good year for being out in the muck area, unless you're Glade staying mm-hmm. you're sitting at home because you didn't when you, mm-hmm. you didn't want the tiebreaker shootout to get in. You mm-hmm. know, but but for Glade Central Pahokee, I think I think for for, for not so much Glade Central, but for Pahokee, for the area itself, it's a good thing. It's a mm-hmm. really a good thing for them because, you know, they want to get back to that relevancy of being a state title contender. And, you know, for, for what Alfonso Smith, you know, what he's done in year one, coming back to Glade, Pahokee, I mean, that is huge, you know, to come in, win the district, you know, and be a potential to make a run, make a run to Orlando. Because, I mean, I tell you what, you get one. I mean, they, a hokey shows up in Orlando. We're gonna have a crowd. Yeah, we're gonna work. No doubt about that. You know, they yeah. definitely they definitely travel uh, and make a lot of oh, noise yeah. when they do show up. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, they definitely will make a lot of noise. I'll tell you that right now. Can they win I mean, the muck bowl though? Can they win the muck bowl? Ooh, you know, that's a good question. And you know. I, I mean, you got to think about it though that they played really good against Boca Raton, you know, in the middle of the season. So I, I have to say that you know this is this is this is a year to give Pahokee a chance. Actually, I actually like to give Pahokee a chance to actually be competitive in this one for for, for the first time in in a while. I mean, Pinko I, I says Pinko says Glade Central by four, so that would indicate that he's expecting a pretty competitive game here, and you know I'm we can it'll be a little bit way. of a throwback. Oh yeah, I mean, you start to you start to get this throwback built on it. You know what? And then you're gonna go into 2016. You're gonna have something really great to build upon. You know, for both teams. You know, but what is the future of what of the, the Muck area football? Considering the area, yeah, has been hit hard with with unemployment and stuff. I think this is a motivation booster to get that area back up to where it should be. I mean, this is great. Yeah, ab- I mean, yeah, it, no, absolutely. It, it, Oh yeah, and you know what? In the chat, I tell I tell everybody, you know what? This has been a great year for parody in Florida because we haven't seen a lot of parody in the last few years, and this mm-hmm. year I, there's been a lot of parody in the state. And I think fans, you know, fans are going to expect they're, they're, the playoff matchups are actually going to be a lot better this year, in, in 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 a lot of ways than they have been over the last few years, where we just don't know who. We, we, I could just say we don't have any clear cut leaders now to win state titles. It's kind of like open, you know, it's just wide open in a lot of areas right now. Do you prefer that, Josh, or do you like to see the uh, historically dominant programs just doing, being being dominant and chasing history and things like that? Which which do you prefer? I, I in, in my mind, I like, par- I, I like to see a lot more parity. I like to see other teams go after other than just the ones who have dominated and been domination wise. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just really think, you know, that's the way it should be. But, you know, I mean, I mean, I don't mind seeing the teams do, you know, do well. I mean, yeah, I heard, yeah, the parody is going to hurt us on a national level, but at the same time, a lot of fans would rather see their see other teams being competitive for state championships instead of the same all St. Thomas Aquinas, Miami Centrals, the Arm Woods, you know, those teams, mm-hmm. you know. 
I think, you know, like I said, like to see some other teams get a chance to go in there and, you know, play first state title. And, you know, I think that, I think that this year in Orlando, I think we're going to get it. We're, we're going to get some, we're going to get some different teams we have not seen or have been so close on the edge to making it, but now they're finally going to get over that hump and get to Orlando this year. Right. Help me out with something here, Josh. Um, look, it's been put out there uh, about Bishop Moore, who has the biggest margin of victory uh, average uh, this season, I think, of anyone in the state. How much should we uh, pay attention to that? How much you know, reverence should we give that, or are they playing anyone out that way? Well, considering that, you know, they played a traditionally tough uh, South Sutner team, and they they gave him a good butt whoop <laughs> a few weeks mm. back. I mean, I have to say, you know, but the, the, the problem for Bishop Moore, though, and their schedule is that a lot of their district was basically weak this year. Their, I mean, outside mm. of Bishop Moore being strong like they are, their district was totally weak. I mean, the team that's going to the playoffs as the runner-up has five losses. So, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, they're going to – I mean, it's, it's that district itself is just – it's not – it, it's it hurts Bishop more in a way. I don't think mm-hmm. you know. Like I said, they're not going to. I mean, they're going to. But, but see, I think Bishop Moore will eventually. They'll finally get tested by Palm Bay next week because you know that's who they've got for the first round. I they're going to get tested there. But you know, I mean, as far as this Bishop Moore, I think it's just they're. I wouldn't call them a number one team. They're probably a good close second, but not. They're not number one by by any mm-hmm. stretch of the imagination. Not right now. You know they would have to be. Yeah. They would have to be. They would have to beat you guys at Plantation American Heritage in my mind before I have to call them number one. That's how much. That's how. They, what they would have to do, and you know, that's pretty much what it will come down to. Is you know, I believe that would be like. A, well, I'm that sure that's the plan final. for them. You know, to get back to the rematch, which would be at their place, and and avenge last year's close loss. Um, that put them out of the playoffs against against American Heritage. But, um, I mean, you know, either way, what they've done so far has been impressive, but it'll mean nothing if they can't get by that hurdle there that we're talking about. But let's let's slide into some other games. You know, the, uh, you know when I was a kid growing up, these were two very big games uh, that you would have every year, uh, and that would be the mm-hmm. Soul Bowls, the one for, D- for Dade County, the one for Broward County, Broward being Ely oh, and yeah. Dillard, and, and Dade County being Jackson versus Northwestern. Uh, both have lost a little luster, uh, especially the one in Broward County with Ely not having the greatest of years. But you know what? That game is featuring two teams headed to the playoffs, right, wrong, or indifferent, and not, you know whatever the, 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 the records are, um, it is the Soul Bowl with two teams that are headed to the playoffs. What, what's your thoughts on Dillard versus Ely? I mean Dillard. I I like Dillard in this one. I mean Dillard. Dillard. Mm. I mean I I actually like I actually like to give Dillard a chance. You know, not only win this game, but actually give him a chance next week against Carroll City. You know, you know, you know. I, I mean, I know it's going to be a tough environment to go down the Miami Dade play playing mm. fast pal, but you know, it it it, it would come down on the paper, and you know, Dillard has been able to challenge before, so it's not that Dillard can. I think Dillard can, and I, that's the thing. And, and Dillard, Dillard, you know, just looking at it for, for this week, they're just a better team overall. And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, I mean, you're, you're talking Ely probably going to be one and nine, one Dwyer next week. You know, that's that that's the big thing right now. And he, I mean, just. I mean, I, I even think athletic, you know, talent-wise, that Dillard's got the better hand in that right now than Ely. I think Ely's still got a lot of growing pains to go through before they, mm. you know, you want to you want to say they're back on the map. I mean, you could say they're in the playoffs. They're not necessarily back on the map. And then you, it, 
you're one and eight. You've only won one game. You that one that one game that you probably should not even won to start with. Mm. You know that's you know it, it's it's still it's still one of those num- numbing thoughts. It's like really, how did you manage to win this one game just to get in? You know this is where this is it goes back again. It's, it's yeah, uh, that's it's that's 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 crazy, and I know there'll be a lot of people sounding off on that. All right, let's talk about the one in Dade County, which features Northwestern against Jackson. Um, I see people picking Northwestern here, but I think Jackson's got a real legit chance at winning this football game. You know, you know, the thing about me and my in my mind about Jackson is that you know, you, you, there's been some games where they've lost that they think they should have won, and then there are games that they want that they should have been on the other end. So it's it's a kind of an up down thing. But I mean, they, you probably actually get an even matchup between those two teams, you know, and that that's the thing, you know, that. You know, just to think how close North Miami Northwestern was to getting back into the playoffs again this year. You know that. You know, just just the thought of that. You know, tells me that. And I think I think the way Miami Northwestern might treat this, they might treat this like a playoff game. Let me say, hey, this is our mm-hmm. little playoff, and we want to win it. You know, we you sure. know, we, we can't get. You know, we want to win that Soul Bowl. That Soul Bowl's on. Well, Jackson's so, out. I mean, you know, Jackson's out too. So they may be looking at it in that oh, yeah. same fashion. Oh, that same fashion as well. And I, I just, I just think maybe Miami, for Miami Northwestern, they just knew how close they were. Where Miami Jackson, kind of like they, they were, they knew they could have a chance, but they're, you know, of course, American Heritage and Allendale doing their thing. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's the thing on that yeah. one. So, no, you know. a very tough, a very tough. Uh, you know, district for them to get out of. And we knew going into the season that uh, there'd be some pretty good teams from this district sitting sitting at home. And, you know, you, you basically got three of them. I mean, Coconut Creek's a pretty good football team uh, that could probably win playoff games and if they were in other districts of classifications. Jackson's another good team that would probably make noise if they were in a different classification or district. And uh, you could even say, you know, Cardinal Gibbons could probably pull off an upset if they were in another district or classification so we knew that going in that this would be a possibility mm-hmm. i want to slide over to an area that we don't talk much about and that's in the uh the, the kind of the independent area and uh the gold oh, yes. football conference uh they have their playoff semifinals going tonight archbishop mccarthy against coral glades key west versus north broward pep um what have you thought about the football in that in that conference and do you think uh, what they've got going on there is a good thing for football in 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 in, uh, in the well, state of Florida. Well, considering that all these teams should be in, in, that should be in a district, you know, especially Archbishop McCarthy, they're actually have already Archbishop McCarthy's already advanced in because they ended up playing last night, so they're already into the Cold Coast Conference title game. My my thought on I mean I mean it's good that, you know I can understand why they did it last year they they you know they they broke off to do what they did but. Mm-hmm. You know, some people, some people, and I, and I, and not no disrespect to Archbishop McCarthy, but some people mm-hmm. ask why, why didn't they, if they knew what they had here, mm-hmm. why didn't they go ahead and play it in district this year? Considering they would have been in the six A district, they would have likely, they, they, they would have probably won enough games to probably where they could have possibly beaten Dillard this year and be a possible runner up in that district. You know, right. that's right. you know, my question is. Why didn't they go ahead and just go ahead and you know use that as maybe that they one felt at this point in their program winning something, no matter what it was, is more important than you know banging heads Playing with them. teams that could possibly beat them, and maybe that's where they're at, and they'll try and um, you know move themselves into a district down the road after they've established some kind of a winning culture there. I'm just thinking like a coach uh, on that one, so that's probably right. the case. Uh, we don't talk much about Class One A and Two A, um, and we won't a bunch here, but 
uh, I'm I'm asking you, the Florida expert, give me your favorite in Class 1A and 2A to walk away with the titles this year. Oh, we've already talked about them. One of them would be Pahokee right now. I mean, Pahokee, right. but, but, but see, 1A is a very tough class to figure out because it's so wide open, but you got teams like Pahokee, you, you, even their, their district rival. Now, I'm not going to call them district rival, even though it's not a rivalry totally yet, mm-hmm. but they're, they're, they're district one in Fort Meade. And mm-hmm. then and another team I, I could see is Trenton. You mean the, the team that might represent the 1A North might be, it might be a, a, a Fort St. Joe again, because, I mean, they, I mean even the, they lost badly to Trenton early in the season, but they also had some issues where they had to deal with a viral meningitis outbreak during the start of the season, but that's, that's gotten past all through that. Fort St. Joe will mm-hmm. probably be there, but, you know, I mean, at this point it's going to be a team that's going to come from 1A South. I mean, like I said, it could be Pahokee, it could be Trenton, it could be it could be Fort Meade. And to, to be honest, and like I said, it, 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 considering I don't really have much wanting football down there, down not down that way, it, you know, it's yeah, I think it's kind of more – I think some people just don't understand it. Because mm-hmm. you know, this is why like, they kind of get oh, – you know, they say all oh, that one, I should just go away because oh, if they don't understand it, it there's, there's a reason why it's there. It's, it's because these rural towns, you know, if, if they were in the same district with those smaller private schools – you know, and the same thing. And this is not a total public-private split in a way. Don't no, don't get things because private schools can't right. be in it. But a lot of the smaller private schools in your urban areas, that's where they face the issues, and that's why they're in that one and not, you know, all mixed up anymore like they used to be. You know, pre pre 2011. But I mean, give me your thoughts it, on it, give it, me your thoughts on who who's your favorite there in class two A. I, I, I could give you Admiral Farragut. I could give you University Christian. I could give you Northside Christian. But right now, right now, I, mean, I thought Northside Christian would be the team that make the run. But since they lost to Admiral Farragut and, and for the district championship, uh, you know, I, I, I could see Admiral Farragut getting back there. You know, but, you know, because I mean, they made it in 2011. But you know, if Admiral Farragut does make it back to state this year, I don't see them delaying the goose egg like they did. In 2011, when North Florida Christian walked all over them 69 nothing, I mean, I tell you what, that was probably one of the most boring games I've ever watched. We were all mm-hmm. throwing thumbs at halftime, so if that if that tells you anything, you know, we were like, just someone just get this game over with. So, but you know, I, I mean, University Christian is they they make it back, and I mean, you, you might have a good competitive two A game, probably just not many people watching. That's the only that's the only bad thing in all of it. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's kind of, and that's kind of been the case. But um, nevertheless, man, if you if you raise that trophy oh, yeah. up, you raise that trophy up, and you can't really take that moment away from the kids. All right, um, oh, you no. know, we had some things settled um, this week. How many tiebreakers did we have go down on Monday? Six, six of them. Six. So give us an update on what happened in those tiebreakers and and the uh, playoff ramifications of them. Well, okay, see, okay, here's the thing, you know, I'll start with the 2A1 down there in y'all's area. But, okay, you know, Glade State got past Champion out in the, in the first tiebreaker, but, but but Village Academy had their way, you know, re, you know, getting, getting some revenge on a win that, you know, on a loss that, you know, on, to Glade State. So Village Academy's in the playoffs, whereas Glade State's streak of 22 years being in the playoffs, it has now sadly come to a close. So there's that one for mm. you right there on that one. Um, I mean, we had we actually. So who ends up who ends up who ends up going? It's Village Academy and who out of? Dade Christian, Village Academy and Dade Christian out of District Eight and Two A. There's that wow. one. That that. I mean, it, it, 
it, it was very interesting, you know, and like, you know, I mean, and I was kind of like, you know, I mean, for Glade, for Glade's sake, for Glade's sake, I mean, I was, I was hoping that I would have been able to continue that streak, but you know, as they say, all good things must come to an end, and oh, well, yeah. that's the case, you know. I mean, I mean, you mentioned, I mean, we're, we, could, we could be talking about one day being St. Thomas Aquinas, the program that used to be nationally relevant, that is no longer nationally relevant. We don't know when that day may come, but you know, for now, they're still right. nationally relevant. But on right. the other tiebreakers, right. the other tiebreakers, we had, we had the, we had one. Well, the one up in town, the Tallahassee area with Lincoln, Lincoln Child and Leon, and that one was pretty interesting. That I mean, I'm thinking, you know, here, here we go. I mean, Lincoln, Lincoln wins the first tiebreaker over uh, for a tiebreaker over against Leon, so they managed. They went ahead and got a playoff spot in that process. Okay. Play, mm-hmm. play Childs in the beaten Childs for the district title. Childs had to play a third quarter, and then the, they finally got the revenge on Leon that they didn't get. Didn't that you know what had happened from the just that previous Friday night, finally got a pass Leon to get into the playoffs for the first time ever in school history. So that for Childs, you know, it's a it's a huge it's a huge stepping stone. You know, seeing a few more teams that are making the playoffs that have never made it, you know, that's kind of a good thing. You know, starting to say, hey, you know, at least the schools are now starting to build some history now. Right. And that's what I right, like. Right. You know, I want to see I want to see these schools that build history. You know, exactly. If you're not exactly. You're nowhere listed in the record book. You know what do you have to speak for about your program? You know, and I think you know you, even even if you make it just one time, you know you, you get something there to show for it. Yeah. Oh, who, what what were uh, some of the other tiebreakers? The tiebreakers we had the one over and we had the one over and another one. This was another class. This another class seven eight district. The seven eight ten over in uh, Pinellas County. They had East Lake Pinellas Park in uh in St. Petersburg. And Eastlake, Eastlake managed to come through and win that one. Pinellas Park was the number one seed, and Eastlake managed just to go ahead and get through both teams to get, get that playoff spot. And it's sad that Pinellas Park is another team that's going to go eight and two and miss the playoffs. So you know, mm-hmm. this is where you know you get these points. This is where like they're going to point out. You know, I can see you now they're going to say, "Hey, why is that? Why is that one and nine team in the playoffs?" And referring to Blanche Ely. You know, that's <laughs> that's the big yeah. thing. I mean, it, I, I can hear it coming. It's it's just going to come. But you know, I'll tell you what, Chad. This is something that came out yesterday. We ended up having a team get replaced in the playoff bracket in NATO yesterday. And how'd that happen? Orange City University had been forfeiting the entire season because of an ineligible wow. player, and because the bracket deadline had not passed yet, when it finally set it, because it sets at midnight Friday, mm-hmm. that Oviedo was allowed to go ahead and take their place. Because they were the well, first place and, team and, that and tell us how rare that is, because I've not heard of that. Very, 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 very rare. Because usually most of the time when we have a team that ends up forfeiting a spot like that, usually it's just a vacated spot, and the team that's on the other side of the bracket gets to move around to the second round. And that, you know, I mean, somehow the, for this to have been done and caught before the bracket deadline had passed, mm-hmm. you know, that – yeah, you know that is, you know, it was very shocking because we're. I wasn't the only one. There were other people that thought, okay, you know what, university's out, Mandarin gets to move to the second round, and nah, we we're like, so everybody's like, eh, that's not the case. Hold up, Avita's going. Right. So it's like, I'm like, and like, and I told people, it's like, this is rare. It is rare that this happens. Yeah, I, I'm not. Do, do you, can you can you think of the last time this did happen? Had it hasn't happened since I've been running the site. I can tell you that this is the first time that it, this has actually happened. 
mm-hmm. I can recall where where a team got replaced like this. Now, I'm sure there's it's, it's happened before, but it's been it's very rare that it actually happens. So, you know, that's the big thing is you know just to look and see what you know. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to ask a few people. It's like, hey, when was the last time this happened? Before yesterday, you know. But I to be honest with you, it's just it's still it's still shocking. I mean, it's like it's like but here we go. Last few years, I've had a team either get you know either booted out of the playoffs before the playoffs even get started or something else. It's like you know. Can you give us some question, details on why the player was ineligible? That, see, I don't know that nobody knows exactly why the player was ineligible. My thought is is that I don't understand why it wasn't caught sooner than it was. Were they going off some some previous you know? Where they go on, they, they misinterpret a rule, because usually, usually a lot of times it ends up coming out that all that the player was over the age limit or something like that, and, you know, or they misinterpret. Well, you know what else happens too ball. is, um, you know, folks will, some people will have information and sit on it, even though you're not supposed to do this, sit on it and then blow blow the whistle. Mm, oh at, yeah. At the opportune Thank time. You. Oh yeah, and, and and the school district, the school district actually came out on this one. Said the school had to forfeit on the on all of the entire records and stuff on the for the entire season and forfeit the playoff first. So, you know, for for them to come out and say that, and you know, that's you know, it's like the school, you know, I think because the, my understanding is that the way the schools do it, they submit their rosters to C to C on you know when it's time for the playoffs and to submit that roster to double check. And mm-hmm. this same case happened to Tavares. I think it happened to Tavares last year or was the year before that. Is that you know something came up, it popped up in the system, and it said, "Oh, kid, you know, player ineligible," and that you know costing them the fourth, you know, having to forfeit a playoff spot. And, you know, right. whereas you know Tavares, right. it, the situation, this is the same kind of situation which what happened with Tavares that university faced. That university faced Tavares had had this. They had to forfeit the spot, but because of the, again the bracket deadline passed, no one got to go in their place. And that's yeah, why you know we touched on this last week, and it probably bears repeating again. It sure would be nice for this week eleven to have some implications in playoff races, uh, and oh, meaning that we had I'll district games what. tonight. There's kind of a ho hum. Oh around most of these games. I mean, if you're not going to, you know, Flanagan and St. Thomas and maybe a couple of the other games that we mentioned, there's a lot of ho-hum to this thing. So it is something I think FHSA might want to, you know, talk about in the offseason. Yeah, I I think if they would just look at it, but the thing is is that they they need to have the district games in by week 10 so they can have these tiebreakers on that Monday before week 11. And I'm just thinking – why do we need the tiebreakers to be the Monday before before week 11? Why don't we go to a, a positive-negative cap point system? I mean, they, it, they use this out in Texas to break ties like that. And it's, it's very simple. It's not very hard, and all you have to do is cap it. So if you know if you if, you're, if you, get, you 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 win a game by 36 points, you, you're going to only get 18. You know, you can get 18 points for it, or you know, you're the other team on the losing end. You're only going to lose 18, not full 36 or something like that. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah. A simple thing. Um, it's a simple thing that the FHA could look at, and I really think, you know, I, I, I think it's just, you know, why risk injury on a Monday night between week 10 and week 11? Have everything come down to the wire on week 11 and let us have fun with it. That's what it should be about, not us having to win the week 11 and being like, eh, this is the final week, you know, this is just going to be whatever. 
Yeah, you know, we don't pack the houses. We we don't pack the houses for for high school football games down here. Maybe like in some other states like Texas and Georgia, or maybe even Ohio. So um, oh, yeah. we I, we really don't need to have a week where there's a whole home feel to it. All right. Well, look, we're running out of time here, man. So as always, Josh, I appreciate you coming on. We're gonna have a good oh, time talking you, about what's going what's happening next week as we start the uh, playoffs. So I'm I'm looking forward to next week for sure. Oh yeah, oh yeah, round one. Here it comes. <laughs> there, there, there it goes, man. So again, appreciate you coming on, man, and looking forward to next week. Have a good week, Chad. Thank you. All right, uh, Joshua Wilson from FloridaHSFootball.com. He's uh, uh, definitely has his finger on what's going on all the way from Key West to the Panhandle, and uh, like you said, uh, the uh, first round of the playoffs here in the state of Florida are upon us. And so be looking forward to what he uh, some of the previews we got for for things coming up next week. All right, man. Listen, it's the end of another Football Friday edition here. Um, we've got you guys all set up as we do every week. You're ready for the high school football games tonight. You're ready for college football on Saturday, and there are some big ones going down: Clemson and Florida State. You got you know Alabama and LSU. Not you know to mention just a couple of them, and then uh, some. Some uh, some Sunday games uh, in the NFL that are, uh, are are definitely worth watching. So we gave you picks on all of them. We gave you our picks, and uh, it's time for you to just sit back now and enjoy the action as it comes your way. We want you to enjoy your weekend. We thank you all for listening to the Gridiron Stud Show. Enjoy the weekend. We're back on Monday. Thanks for listening. Make a fun.